When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 2020 has already been scary enough, but Halloween is right around the corner. The great pop culture debate wants to get into the spooky spirit by doing a special Halloween episode as part of season two. It's the best movie monster, from the black and white icons of the universal picture eras to the creepy dolls and vengeful spirits of 21st century cinema. There have been countless compelling creatures on the silver screen. But we want to know which monster is the best, and how do you define what is and is not a monster anyway? I'm your host, Eric Resniak. You can summon me by whispering my name three times into a glory hole. Please welcome this week's panel. Let's turn up the juice and see what shakes loose with Dan Howell. I myself am strange and unusual. And that's why he won't do two shows a night, folks. He won't. He won't do it. I was her prom date and I still haven't gotten the pig blood out of my tuck shirt. It's Kate Reculia. You need to use OxyClean. I thought you learned by now. <laughs> well, I, I did, but I can see, see your dirty pillows, Kate. Everyone yes, will. Yes. Oh, you're all going to laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lizard wearing a man's face. Please welcome to the podcast, Matt DeTurk. It's all about like taking a bunch of different animals and a bunch of different humans and Russian nesting them. I don't know. That doesn't really work for me. It's fine. That's okay. I was going with the QAnon conspiracy theory. And Ooh. honestly, there's nothing scarier than that. Oh. That's true. Fair point. Yeah. I thought it worked. Uh, before we dive into the debate, let's go over how this works. We made a list of more than 100 notable movie monsters. We interpreted monster pretty broadly, both evil otherworldly creatures or seemingly normal human beings who behave monstrously. We had 50 people take the survey to pick their favorites, and the top 32 vote-getters were ranked by popularity, added to a bracket, and our panelists made their decisions. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. If you want to follow along at home, you can find all of the brackets, including the one for this episode, at greatpopculturedebate.com. Make a copy for yourself, fill it out, and then compare it to our panelists' picks. Think we're way off base? Drop a comment on this episode on the website or yell at us on social media. So before we go into everything, let's go over the unanimous winners for round one. Five seed the Grand High Witch put her square-toed heels and stomped four seed the Babadook. In a Tim Burton battle, one seed Beetlejuice outstriped eight seeds Edward Scissorhands. In an alien horror matchup, one seed Xenomorph from the Alien films burst through the chest of eight seed The Thing. And You're Not Dreaming, three seed Freddy Krueger really did slash through six seed the pale man from pan's labyrinth finally two seed hannibal lecter made a meal of seven seed regan slash pazuzu from the exorcist and with that we are on to the debates first up one seed dracula is feeling sanguine with three quarters of the votes over eight seed the skexies from the dark crystal matt you have the skexies so tell me why you went with that option i went with the skexies for two reasons primarily number one is that uh my partner adam uh actually saw the dark crystal in preschool when a preschool teacher decided that that was a great time for young children to see it and the way he describes it i just imagine like the windows open and like fog rolls in and there's lightning and children are screaming and crying and hiding based on the description of it um, and I can technically see that from like the visual look of them. But my reason is the Skeksis know how to make a statement. Have you seen their decorating focal points, crystals, <laughs> center of rooms, conversation pieces? Listen, they are monstrous, but they are the best. They are opulent. So all about the Skeksis. And the way you describe that makes me realize Cher is a Skeksi, everyone. <laughs> I mean, ooh. There is no difference between her design aesthetic and what we see in the Dark Crystal. Yeah. And it also may explain why she does not age. So, Eric, you've cracked it. This We're done. This was perfect. I feel very satisfied. But it also makes me now want to vote for the Skeksis because I want to support Sarah. <laughs> So I'm torn. Um, I planted I, I, the seed. Now we're done. <laughs> and you just said you had a, a brown thumb. Um, no, but uh, thank you for that. That's wonderful. 
Terrific job. First first argument on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I am going to suck up to Dracula, and my arguments are are pretty obvious. I mean, he I consider Dracula to be the OG of horror, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've had uh, vampire-based horror films since Nosferatu was what year? That's like 1922. Yeah, right? So it's almost 100 years old. And and, and I understand Count Orlock is not Dracula. Actually, Count Orlock is on the bracket. We'll mm-hmm. get to him later. But vampires, to me, are like the one true cinematic villain, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or horror monster. And, you know, as a kid, I, I remember, you know, making sure that the covers were over over my neck because I was sure that Dracula was going to fly in as a bat and drain my blood. But the sheet would somehow stop him. I don't know what the <laughs> logic was there. <laughs> but that was the logic. I just have to remember that. Um, but one of the things I love about Dracula and in movies at least is the range of interpretations. And, and this will come up a couple times in this conversation that there are certain characters, movie monsters that have been interpreted in multiple different types of films. And Dracula is incredibly malleable. You've got the Bela Lugosi version. You've got the Gary Oldman version. We even have the Leslie Nielsen version in Dracula dead and loving it. Um, you can do so much with this character. And I think um, the other thing about that is that, vampires and we'll take this away from dracula and just talk about vampires for a second they're scary but there's also something incredibly erotic about them and i find that's the the best kind of horror is when there's the danger but also the sexiness and that's what i think makes them compelling and so for that reason to me dracula is an obvious next round in my opinion he's an obvious going to round two so uh dan and kate are you sticking with dracula are you going to move to the sexies it was an extremely good argument, but I am going to stay with this. With Oh, my, I almost said I moved to the sketch. I'm going to stay with Dracula. I'm going to stay with Dracula. Dan? Um, yeah, I, I, I got to stick with Dracula. <sighs> good argument, Matt. As someone, though, Eric, who watched all of True Blood with you, I am not surprised about you being like, I need <laughs> and the erotic together. This this place this place correct. So. Absolutely. And by the way, if you're not watching Lovecraft Country on HBO, it's kind of like the spiritual successor of True Blood, but actually legits and cross-pollinated with like um the African American experience in mid-century America. It's fascinating. Um anyway, that was a total sidebar. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Three quarters of us preferred six seed Patrick Bateman from American Psycho to three seed Voldemort. Dan, you had Voldemort winning by a nose. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so I, I feel like I need to start this with a, a disclaimer. Um about JK Rowling is, you know, um, <laughs> She's got her issues, um, and I, I don't want that to reflect poorly upon an amazing villain, um, you've, despite the fact that she created him, and she's um, trash. Uh, so, <laughs> Voldemort, um, however, will do anything um, to get what he wants. He will kill anybody to advance his um, initiatives. He will literally kill children. Um, He will kill innocent bystanders. He is ruthless. He is dark. He is deformed from his desire for evil. Um, He will send people out after innocent people across the English countryside. Um, He will destroy entire communities. He will spend years... (laughs) trying to achieve what he thinks is correct. Um, And I mean, basically he's just racist as fuck. Um, He's pretty, he's pretty gross. Um, And like that, he's just, he just like drips evil. Like there's nothing remotely redeeming about him. And he's, I mean, you know, all right. It looks fucking scary. And he packs a big snake. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, Kate, explain why it's hip to be square and totally batshit crazy like Patrick Bateman. All right. So as you were listing all those attributes, Dan, I was like, uh, we'll do anything to get exactly what he wants. We'll kill anyone. <laughs> Tries to feed a kitten to an ATM. I mean, but then when you got to is oh, deformed, gosh, yeah. but like in you have all of that sort of casual completely self-interested venom and evil but in the package of christian bale <laughs> is you want to talk about evil and allure that is patrick bateman but it, seriously he is 
a beautiful monster. And the the sort of monstrosity that he represents is this kind of unchecked uh, capitalism, unchecked, toxic, toxic white cis uh, masculinity. He just is this insatiable force that like goes through this horrible society like a shark like he's he's adapted to fit inside the kind of um amoral soulless 80s corporate world capitalist world that is on the page in the book by brett easton ellis and is also on the screen uh, in the movie by mary heron and since this is specifically movie monsters there there were three um things that i thought about when i was like what are my what am i looking for in terms of like a great movie monster one was uniqueness uh one was what is their cultural impact and one was how much of their power is tied into the cinematic representation of them and like the, the American Psycho, the book, I love it. It's a complicated book, but I really love it. But the movie is so good <laughs> and it aims, it, it is so funny and so dark. And so like I, as a woman watching it, feel only a woman could have made that movie that way in a, in a way. Does that make sense? Like, cause totally. he is just, he's just such a terrible person, but it's not, but he is a product of this society. Right. Like, so that like seeing the society, seeing the opulence, seeing the kind of like, uh, you know, hard angles and like black and white and, and the red splashes on top of everything. Like the visual, even just the visual language at the very first scene of the movie, when you see red splattered on the plates and you're like, is that blood? And you're like, no, it's this like incredibly hoity toity dish that's being prepared because Patrick Bateman is just a symptom of this culture. And that is why he is an incredible movie monster. (laughs) Well done. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that only a woman could direct that movie because a man would not be able to see the system that yes. they are operating yes. in, mm-hmm. whether they want yeah. to or not. You, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Um, Matt, where are you coming down on this one? Um, I feel like this also comes down to a little bit of what we talked about, about the time and place in which we're having these discussions. And at the moment, just at this moment in time, um, I'm having a hard time removing Voldemort from how I'm having a big falling out from the the Potterverse, the Wizarding yeah. World, um, mm-hmm. which is and again, it's like to eat their own on it because especially as like a previously proud Slytherin, like I feel like it's I should be <laughs> siding towards Voldemort. But I think my problem with Voldemort is he doesn't know, or sorry, he does know the importance of branding, and so I appreciate that he's got a good name going for him. <laughs> but like I just, I find Patrick Bateman to be right now everything that terrifies me about the world like it's just a representation of right now what i feel like i'm Mm -hmm. fighting against so patrick bateman for me yeah same here and i think that advances him and i really uh in terms of like which of those two characters ever legitimately scared me patrick bateman uh voldemort for many reasons i mean we we can get into it but I'm, i'm giving it patrick bateman so i believe that means he will continue to next round we were evenly split between two seed carrie and seven seed oogie boogie from the nightmare before christmas kate telepathically pull us towards voting for carrie <laughs> carrie. carrie is my favorite movie monster movie hero period so like i it's going to be real hard for me to like not include a, a fourth a fourth stool leg on this and like my personal like ardor for her like and, and like I, I wrote an essay about it last year that was about how Carrie is a representation sort of of a teenage witch who is not explicitly a witch right but she has these sort of transgressive um, powers really spoke to me again as a young girl who like went to high school and some parts of it were really shitty <laughs> and and I feel like Carrie. Um, She started as a book by Stephen King, but again, her true sort of like power, I think, is the cinematic form, is the Brian De Palma movie, which is just, people know the idea of Carrie, they know the idea of pig's blood, and they see Sissy Spacek, right? Like that, her performance of Carrie makes her such a... She's the monster and she's also the victim, right? Like she's the arouser of pity and empathy because she's horribly abused by like everyone in her life, including her mother, huh? Um... Piper Laurie, just got a hat tip to you. Um, and and she's also, but she's also does this incredibly horrible thing. And the movie doesn't say necessarily that she is good for doing it. There's some kind of horrible catharsis in her doing it, but she also, she still dies, right? 
The end of the movie of Carrie is one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I did watch it, not after the prom that you and I went to, Eric, after the night prom. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, she, she's a woman. She is a woman. Like there is no other cinematic character like Carrie that I can think of before her on screen that way. Um, And yeah, like people know, like, don't take Carrie to the prom. People know about that. It's a thing. They do. Pop culturally. They do. Yep. <laughs> Is a cultural moment. Matt, spill your guts on why we should go for Mr. Oogie Boogie. I have, um, I would say, the complete opposite argument that Kate has on this, where Kate's is incredibly thought out and incredibly, like, like very poignant, I would say, because we empathize so much with Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, Oogie Boogie comes back to my... Uh, previous attempt to mention like rusting uh russian nesting dolls i can't even say it i can't say it is because i have a fondness for things inside of things and so therefore yeah hey it's boogie boogie is a burlap sack full of bugs that is somehow sentient and moves around and has song and dance numbers and again sorry this is going to be a theme for me an incredible decorating style his lair is second to none in all of halloween town his is amazing like dice that also have snakes in them come on this is fantastic boogie boogie is like not just a pinnacle of like movie monster dumb like again somehow his shadow's on like the moon but then it's bats i don't even know it doesn't matter he does what he wants he's amazing i just i love him to death so dan where are you coming down on this one this is this the it's tough comparison, but I got I got to stick with Oogie Boogie because I just I love Nightmare. Yeah, not that I, I don't love Carrie, but right, oh, yeah. they're all gonna um, laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I still think I like I love both of these, and I I would love to see both of them in the next round. I think they both deserve to be in the next round, but um, I have to stick with Carrie. I think that like Oogie B Boogie is awesome. He's a great visual creation, and he has a wonderful singing voice. Wonderful singing voice. <laughs> Very important in a monster, I mean. Very important in a monster, absolutely. Freddy Krueger has an incredible baritone. Um, (laughs) But I I feel Carrie has a such a resonance with me as a a person. Carrie is essentially like an X-Men character in in the real world. (laughs) And I think there is something to be said for that. And we'll get to that later on when we get to Frankenstein and that situation. But like that monster who is not a monster, it's not their faults that Mm -hmm. they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. But like the people turn them into something to be feared. And mm, right. like that there's something about that that I find really rich and I want more. Not the remake of Carrie Moore, no, but no, I, I no. want <laughs> more. No one wants uh, that. So that means uh, unless either Dan or Matt change, we are evenly tied right now. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, that's correct. So. And that means that I would be the tiebreaker, which means <laughs> it's Carrie. And I want people to know, I swear to you, we're not going to go on another Eric Breaks the Tie Streak. What we'll do is we'll pass off the tiebreaker so oh. it's a round robin. Well, I, you, you still, you made the right call here, Eric. You made the right call. <laughs> Just to say, I would, have, I would have telepathically sent rocks into all of your houses. <laughs> that, that's fine. So long as Mrs. Poole from um, Ferris Bueller is not berating me as, as a teenager. By the way, if people don't realize that A.D. McClurg, who's the, the secretary in what, not even 10 years later in a movie, yeah. plays like someone who's like 40-something, is yep. playing a teenager at Carrie. It's incredible. It is insane. It's like, I mean, that woman did age about 20 years and five, but... God it was her. amazing. God bless her. We love she her. She still crushes it. She still does. So next up, three quarters of us had four seed Joan Crawford from Mommy Dearest, <laughs> while Matt needed a bigger boat for five seed Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Um, go ahead, Matt, and talk about Jaws first, because then I'm going to go popping off. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be hard for you, Matt, because Bruce doesn't have any discernible decorating taste. <laughs> I, I, it's, this is a very good point, um, unless you go read the fanfic about it, and then, man, let me tell you, like the Ursula Bruce fanfic, very impressive. Um, <laughs> I am nervous and excited. <laughs> uh, let me just say that uh, this, in the grand scheme of like 
um, matchups here in terms of which ones we're passionate about. Unfortunately, this one is lower for me on the like passion scale. I'm just saying that, which means I'm not going to convince any of you. Um, <laughs> because, uh, because here's the thing. So Bruce the Shark, first of all, uh, one of the most iconic uh, score themes of all time. Mm-hmm. Like literally like all you do is bump them. And you're like, oh, that's Jaws. Like, two notes, two notes. Very impressive. Okay, so kudos to John Williams, less the shark. <laughs> but Jaws, you know, has, I would say, in one of those affected a generation and caused a generation of fear. Um, my father um, was terrified of swimming pools for years. And like subconsciously, it was because of Jaws. Like, and so I think that that's really fascinating that considering like, where Spielberg was in his career and considering like all the challenges they had, of course, of making it that like literally a mechanical shark and two notes still causes like adults to have like that paralyzing fear of an entire element, like literally <laughs> like that my dad wouldn't go in the water. Um, but also the one where all of you get to uh, literally take my gay card away for the month is I've never seen mommy. <gasps> dearest. Oh, hi. Oh, oh, oh man, that's going on our list. Tina. Bring me the axe. <laughs> I, I really want you to see it because I think you will enjoy it. Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Mommy Dearest. It is a camp masterpiece. It's amazing. Um, it is. Yeah. But, and listen, I am not knocking Jaws. I think, it, as you said, it was so effective in what it did. It really did scare people from going into the ocean for sure. Swimming pools is interesting. Um, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what your father thought might be like materializing <laughs> in the deep end, but that you know, every to each his own. Um, interestingly, the was dark in this pool. <laughs> we don't know where that drain goes. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, it was Jason Voorhees actually that scared me from swimming in like ponds and lakes, mm. and still to this day, I don't like to like go into ponds or lakes without at least water shoes because I'm absolutely convinced that there is a zombified teenager down there ready to grab my phone but um, we don't know we don't (laughs) know i don't know who died in that lake um but so let me talk about mommy dearest so uh, i respect that matt hasn't seen it i will say this right off the bat do i think that mommy dearest joan crawford would have been a four seed in this bracket if a majority or a plurality of homosexuals had not taken the poll (laughs) no no. This is where our audience bias is showing. With that being said, Joan Crawford is a monster, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, and I'm going to give her the respect that she is entitled to because I am one of her fans. Um, so if you've seen the movie, you understand exactly what a like horrible fucking sociopath Joan is. And obviously this is from the memoirs of her adopted daughter, Christina, who knows how much of it is reality and how much of it is perceived. But like, she's fucking terrible to her as a child. She's used as a prop and a publicity machine. Then when she becomes older, Joan spites her because she's becoming a woman in her own right. And she's incredibly verbally and physically abusive. There's some like dynasty level physical altercations in that movie that I live for. Mm-hmm. And then comes the late in life pettiness, which to me is my favorite chapter because you have Joan stealing her daughter's role on a soap opera, which is incredible. And then she comes back like any true movie monster for one final scare at the end, at the reading of the will where Tina finds out that she fucked her again. And to me, it's just brilliant. It is an iconic role, an iconic character, even though it's based on a real person. But to me, um, she is a monster. There's no two ways about it. Like we all, you, Dan mentioned uh, mother-in-law, monster-in-law as, as an example of like, you know, a joking is a monster. But like many of us have, let's just say complicated relationships with our mothers. And I think that Joan is like the be all and end all of monstrous mothers. And for that reason, I think she should have got to round two, but I don't think she should go much farther than that personally. So um, is anyone swayed? Uh, Matt, are you sticking with Bruce? <laughs> I'm sticking with Bruce. <laughs> is anybody changing their vote to Jaws? I've made a compelling argument. <laughs> it was, a compelling, it was a compelling argument. And Bruce is Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Bruce has brought a great deal of joy into my life, but like, Joan, like, what's her face? Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford is just the peak of <laughs> the 
peak of camp monstrosity. She really is. Exactly. <laughs> Dan, are you sticking with Joan? Uh, I mean, I have to. I mean, <laughs> I have the Tina Bring the Axe t-shirt. Like, it just, it all makes sense. <laughs> She's crazy about me. <laughs> and I, I just want you to remember, Matt, that Joan is bigger than you. And she is faster than you. <laughs> and she will always beat you. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm taking notes. The good, good news is, Matt, we own it, so <laughs> Movie this night. is going to be easy to rectify. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. I think it's also on um, Amazon Prime, by the I way, think so. streaming right now. So, um, three quarters of us were willing to head down to the sewers with three seed Pennywise from It, but Kate was all about Mama's boy Norman Bates from Psycho, <laughs> a six seed. Kate, why were you about Norman? I mean, I just really like these like fucked up straight white men. I was like. <laughs> Yeah. Is it, wait, is this my therapy session? Was yeah, like, <laughs> about your father? Like, yeah. <laughs> no. It, so Norman Bates is he in the way that Patrick Bateman is also this sort of like shark, right? Like you don't you don't necessarily see him. He's perfectly acclimated to the to his surroundings. Norman is acclimated to his surroundings, right? Like he comes off as this very kind of weird, but like gentle. Um, maybe overly conversational about weird things and his mother when he's just fixing you a sandwich and like, why did you even let him in? Just like you rented a room, just lock the door. You don't have to be nice to him. (laughs) Anyway, he is, is the idea of the boy next door being a dangerous thing right and so that so in my like little my little horror things he he's fairly unique again right because he's very he doesn't look threatening and he's tony perkins he's tony perkins <laughs> <laughs> like i mean yes i would say like sure come and make me a crappy sandwich and tell me about your mom it's like i didn't just like run away with forty thousand dollars today like i feel like having a conversation with a total stranger <laughs> i would if he were tony perkins and this is how i would have died in the first 20 minutes of <laughs> so, <laughs> but, there like, you have it he's very unique and like psychos like the film psycho in horror cinema is such a high bar of this is a perfect horror film right like that is very powerful to the point where when gus van sant made like i i don't know enough about why he explicitly made it but i feel like his making the remake was to sort of disprove like because it's shot for shot, just in color mm-hmm. with different yeah. actors, and it's nowhere yeah. near as brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, there's, that yeah. it's not those technical aspects. It's some additional alchemy of the mm-hmm. time and place, right? That the movie and the story is reflecting. Right. So, so yeah, I just think I mean Norman was it was based on a book that was based on a real serial killer, um, but I think Norman Bates's primary power is cinematic. Agree with that, uh, Dan. Why are you down to clown? So, <laughs> so, so, so this this is this is interesting to follow up the, the Norman Bates argument because I feel like uh, you know I mean, Pennywise is the quintessential scary clown. Um, he is a shape shifting psychopath um, <laughs> of seemingly unbeknownst origins, um, and I, you know he he carries you know not only that childhood. Um, kind of uh, allure to the unknown for the kids that he um, steals and murders and um, eats. Uh, But there's also that, but it turns, you see those kids turn from that wonder, like, Oh, it's a clown into, Oh, fuck what's happening um so you see that switch into how scary something that should be so friendly can become i mean i know plenty of adults who are still afraid of clowns and i find it fascinating um as a child whose um mother was a professional clown for a short time um Wow. So, like, I have a very different feeling about clowns because whatever. Um, <laughs> that was a thing we knew growing up. Dan, I'm suddenly super afraid of your mom. <laughs> I'm sure she's lovely. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's, you know, he's, he's a character that carries that embodiment of evil that can draw you in and then instantly scare the crap out of you. Now, I, I will say he has struggled in the cinematic world, perhaps. Um, I Listen, I love Tim Curry, but maybe not, um, you know, 
It's a very interesting clown. Um, the more recent iteration, you know, still creepy, but also still a little awkward. Um, I feel like he excels a little bit better in the book, but at the end of the day, he's still, um, he's, he's pretty fucked up. Um, you know, I mean, he will literally make an adult commit suicide just because he thinks he may have returned. Like, that's intense. That's, that's a high level of evil right there. It's interesting that they're both kind of characters that appear to be Mm non-threatening and fun and lighthearted and, in fact, are monsters. They're both Trojan horses, yeah. They're both Trojan horses, which I think is very cool. Um, Matt, are you sticking with uh, Pennywise here? I absolutely am. Pennywise actually genuinely concerns me on a deep guttural level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I I I, I am also sticking with Pennywise here. Sorry, Kate. But my feeling is that... Even like, yes, the 80s film, I thought it was ambitious for Mm -hmm. its time. And I think that, you know, if they had waited to make it when they made it more recently, that could actually pull off, right? What they were trying to do. But I'm never going to knock Tim Curry. Um, Oh, God. Legend diva icon. Yeah. Listen, that movie scared the crap out of me in college. Like, (laughs) it worked. (laughs) And I do want to say, Kate, that I absolutely completely agree with what you're saying about Psycho is literally like, one of the top tier all time great cannot be replicated, cannot be right. you know, yeah. like it's forgotten. Incredible. Like it's an incredible, incredible movie, and Norman deserves to be on this list. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> and For I sure. honestly, I'm fine with Pennywise going forward because I fucking hate clouds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom's name is Flutter. Um, <laughs> I do think before we close the book on that argument, we do also need to mention the horror that was Norman's wig line when he was wearing. (laughs) Like that also, that has to be discussed. Get it together. No attention Uh, to detail. Lace Uh, front, hello. All right. Uh, uh, We were evenly split between two seed Frankenstein's monster and seven seed Ghostface from Scream. I will explain why the monster is made for perfection while Kate will take a stab at Ghostface. Kate, why don't you go first? Ah. Ghostface. <laughs> so, so my my journey into horror cinema as a, as a young child growing up in the eighties, I was completely. I mean, actually, at a very young age, I got the Skeksis and thought they were cool. Like, I had no problem with them whatsoever. Seeing them in essentially preschool. Um, Patreon listeners, go listen to the pre-show and you'll see why I'm specifying that. <laughs> but oh wait, no, it was on this one. Sorry, I, my brain doesn't make any sense. Anymore. And anyway. neither does the monsters. No. But that's, go ahead. <laughs> Anyway, I was scared of horror movies. I was completely terrified of Freddy Krueger as a concept. So it wasn't until um, Scream came out, which I saw on a VHS with our host, Eric Resniak, and fellow panel guest member, Bob Erlenbach. Drink. Drink. (laughs) As like a 17-year-old. And I was like, oh, this was completely fucking horrifying, but now I know how it works. Now I know how horror works. That was my gateway Mm. drug. And Mm. Ghostface, in many ways, is... Because Ghostface has multiple identities, right? Like, Ghostface isn't just one person. Mm -hmm. So they, the idea of Ghostface becomes anyone, anyone in this cast of characters can has the potential to be a psychopathic murderer for different reasons. Now... Do I think the best ghost faces are Stu and Billy? My God, yes. <laughs> like, without <laughs> Stu and Billy, would the other screams exist? Perhaps not. Um, but the others, that sort of like cinematic piece, Ghostface is about horror movie literacy, right? And using horror movies to create real life horror movies. Psycho like, Movies don't make psychos, they make psychos more creative. That's kind of the entire thesis of the Scream movies, which are... You know, I don't know, is that morally ambiguous? But they're also outrageously entertaining. I just watched Scream 2 the other night again. and uh, I love Scream 2. Oh, my so God. It's good. So, so when, good. When Jerry O'Connell dies, it it's like it hurts me every time. Uh, every yep. time. It's so yep. awful. Um, mm. But but they are. Again, Damn you, Laurie Metcalf. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scream Movies, for giving us a reason to say, Damn you, Laurie Metcalf. <laughs> I just, I really, I think Ghostface's, you know, ability to be lots of different people, to teach people about horror movies, to comment on horror movies in a really clever and still scary as shit way. Um, there, he's a great movie monster. Yeah, that's actually such a compelling argument, specifically the one about how what makes him unique is that it's horror movie literacy, the right. postmodern monster. I love mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. that's something that he's very different from any of the other slashers on this list. Yes. So that's yes. such a 
great unique argument. Thank and, you. And he gets to like split the difference between Stu and Billy too. Like Billy has the literacy. Stu is the follower who's like peer mm-hmm. pressure, you know, and, and their, and their relationship is, woo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and is. eat. It is, yeah. Well, that is fanfic. Exactly. <laughs> to delve into. <laughs> uh, and I would say that some of the other subsequent Ghostface are also, like, I personally, I know this is kind of controversial, I think Scream 4 is really good. I like and Scream 4 too. <laughs> the, like, end reveal as to who, like, the big bad is, is fucking great, and she's really mm-hmm. good in it. She's so. really, really good in it. Yep. Yeah. Scream 3, not so much. No. But I, I actually <laughs> really dig Scream 4. Um, but I'm going to talk about Frankenstein's Monster, which, again, is one of the OGs. Uh, you can go back, the obviously, the, the literary origin go back over a hundred years now, I think. Um, cinematically, he was one of the first ones that we had. But what's so compelling of, of about the monster is that he's the most tragic of all of them, along with Carrie. I think um, there's so much pathos here. And he's another one, like, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He did not ask to be created. And in virtually any version I've seen of this story, it's the same type of shtick. It is, here is something, it was man's ambition to to create something very Prometheus had no idea what he was getting into uh, and then can't control what he's done and suddenly pitchforks and torches. Right. And all he <laughs> wants is to live and to love and, and to laugh, live, laugh, love. Right. He just wants to paint a script over the entryway to his home. He just wants to go to the Christmas tree shops. That's all he wants. Just let it be. <laughs> Um, and, and so I, I think he's such a compelling character. I will say that. And if we had to pick between him and Carrie, who do I think is actually a better monster? I think it's Carrie personally. So if he does get knocked out here, I'm not going to be too mad. But again, like Dracula, there have been so many different uh, versions of Frank. Or, or excuse me, I've got to, have to call him the monster because when people call him Frankenstein, it's not correct. Um <laughs> But including young Frankenstein, where we also discover that he's a talented vaudeville performer and a notable pleaser of women. So I think that has to count for something. I, I think it does. Um, so Matt Turk, where are you coming down on this one? Uh, I have to come down on the side of Frankenstein's monster um, for kind of the same reasons that you mentioned about like being like one of the OGs of like monsterdom. Um, and I just, I also, I hear everything Kate's saying and I think that's an amazing (laughs) argument I have a hard time when we start talking about the concept of like what makes a monster I think Ghostface is an awesome costume and a great villain I have a hard time with Ghostface as a monster because it is a concept and multiple people that's not to say I'm right in that argument I just that's what I have a hard time with about Ghostface that's fair. That's fair. Dan, where are you? All right. So, uh, so Matt, I think you made uh, a really good point, but I still have to err on the side of Ghostface. I think because uh, <laughs> my feelings on Frankenstein's monster is that he isn't the monster of those films. It's Dr. Frankenstein is the monster who created this poor, unfortunate, disfigured creature who uh, is tortured and vilified because of someone else. It's not his doing. It's not his motivation. Um, It's him being stuck in a world he doesn't belong in and didn't seek out. Um, So that's why I gotta, I gotta stick with Ghostface. Also, I freaking love Scream. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to be a tie and I'm going to pass it off now to the next person alphabetically which would be dan so dan you get to break this tie who goes forward oh that is tough i i, I mean listen i feel like i made a pretty good argument for myself that was also my argument dan and like that I know, Frankenstein I... is he's he's the real asshole he are you the asshole yeah. yes you are victor um, <laughs> and, I, I, and it's also like the true expression i've seen some great cinematic frankenstein's monsters like does anyone watch penny dreadful that show slaps yes it's so good yeah. and it's such a great um frankenstein's monster but the truest expression of that story is literary for me it's not cinematic yeah that's fair i, mm-hmm. I actually feel like for me the best frankenstein i feel like i don't know the one that maybe i connected to the most was 
oh, I'm going to screw up all their names, but um, was the stage show that was filmed that had oh, yeah, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch? Yep. yep, that was really oh, good. Oh, and I forgot the other guy's name. Charlie but... Miller. Yes, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I just, I felt like that actually really made a good a good attempt at combining the the pathos of it, but then also kind of more of the literary element. I don't know. I feel like it was a good combination of them. It was so, very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we are going to advance uh, Ghostface to round two in kind of an upset. And Surprise, with that- Sydney. Mm, oh, I mean, boo. Uh. <laughs> boo. 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 <laughs> And with that, my brains need a little bit of recharging. So we're going to take the quickest of breaks. We'll be right back after these messages from our non-existent sponsors. And we are back with round one of the best movie monster debate. We were evenly split again between one seed Wicked Witch of the West and eight seed Count Orlock from Nosferatu. Kate will deploy the flying monkeys in defense of the witch, while Dan will rock for Orlock. Um, Dan, why don't you go first? (laughs) (laughs) I think that is going to be a new t-shirt I designed soon. Um, So Count Orlock, listen, like, as if the name isn't weird enough, his nickname is the Bird of Death. (laughs) Yikes. It's my nickname. Bitch stole my look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is... Uh, like one scary ass vampire. Um, so I, I, I feel very lucky to have seen uh, Nosferatu last year in the theater with uh, live orchestration, which was super cool. And, uh, you know, watching it, I was, I had never put together that he lives in the Carpathian mountains. Um, and immediately I was like, like the Carpathians from Ghostbusters too. Is this a really deep cut from Ghostbusters? Cause I'm kind of into that. But listen, this guy, he uh, he he transports soil with him um, from his own grave to stay alive and bring rats with the Black Plague to a new city to take over. Um, he is, you know, all of the blood sucking and none of the sophistication of Dracula. Like he is just straight up dark and scary and evil. And uh, he is that vampire that. You're not like, oh, yeah, but like, I kind of get it because he's, you know, he's handsome. He is scary. He is literally just like uh, basically a zombie and a vampire put together, um, walking around, scaring the crap out of people. Um, And through his entire movie, he doesn't even talk. He doesn't need to talk. He's that scary. He just kind of looks at you and um, literally a guy passes out in a chair. What? Like, it's great. He's great. And he's really, really scary. That's my argument. And again, one of our original cinematic monsters. So yes, that yeah, yes. We said earlier his movie came out in twenty two, which is yeah. amazing because it's still pretty years. crazy. Yeah, uh, Kate, talk to me about the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. So, you know, in terms of pop cultural and cinematic relevance, I will just say, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. <laughs> like there's <laughs> nothing. She is. Iconic. I hate to use it because we use it all the time, but she is all the time, all the time that, you know, bless Margaret Hamilton. She'd only been working for like a couple of years, like six or seven years in doing bit parts and stuff. And she gets this part and creates this villain that I was actually I wasn't scared of a lot as a kid watching movies, but I was freaking terrified of the witch when she threatens to burn the scarecrow because he will die (laughs) if she does that. (laughs) And she can totally do it because she can throw fireballs. No, she's just it's such a it's such a cinematic interpretation, such a, a an image of American cinema. Green skin knows like that's what people think witches are, right? Like in the popular 20th century American imagination. Um she has flying monkeys. Her decorating scheme at the castle, eh, okay, okay. She has an army. Sparse. She has an army of people called Winkies. What? <laughs> like, like, bitch knows what she's doing. I mean, yes, water. Presumably, like Oz 
has the same amount of water native to it as we do, which makes her about as defeatable as the aliens and signs, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) She's still a badass bitch. She is a badass bitch. And quick question for the rest of the panel. Uh, Dan and Matt, were you scared of her when you were kids? Yes. I see. I don't remember. No, I, 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 no, I don't remember being scared of her. I also don't remember being scared of a lot of things except the library ghost in Ghostbusters. Oh, that's fair. Oh. That's fair. That's the only thing I remember being scared of as a kid. Not, uh, my, not your mom, the clown. <laughs> not my mom, the clown. Okay. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that seemed totally normal to me. <laughs> my like my defining one was Poltergeist two. Like Poltergeist two, like the old man. Kane. Yes. Kane. Yeah. Scared terrifying. The heck Absolutely. Out of me. Yeah. And and the the um, maggot in the tequila bottle that he vomits up and then becomes a thing. It was terrifying. Oh, yeah. um, terrifying. It was. I guess it's a worm, not a maggot. Um, back to the witch. Uh, I so I, I voted for the witch, Matt. I believe you were on Count Orlock's. I side. was. Mm-hmm. Are you going to stick with Orlock? I am. And my quick reason is that first of all, I just want to note both of them stunning silhouettes, like amazing, <laughs> Chant- Ooh, very oh. similar silhouettes. Very similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say this. Also comes down to uh, the Wicked Witch. I uh, did terrify me, but also Wicked kind of took away from the monstrousness for me. Mm. Mm. Is she not still a monster because she's being like uh, persecuted by an unjust society? She is absolutely. I sorry. Let me. I guess <laughs> she is still a monster. I, I would say in that maybe it took away my fondness for her monstrosity in mm. that because I am not a wicked fan. <laughs> No, and I hear that too. I, I I purposely don't think about that show when I think of the Wicked Witch. Like yeah, to me, they're yeah. completely separate yeah, yeah. entities. Yeah. Um, if I'm going strictly by the the movie, um, <laughs> there's no denying the cultural resonance that that portrayal had of that character. As Absolutely. Kate pointed out, like mm-hmm. that's what children associate witches to look like. Mm-hmm. She is genuinely terrifying in moments of that. Not just when she threatens to burn the scarecrow, like when she's fucking appearing out of that smoke in Munchkin land, that's mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, and she's continues to have cultural relevance. This is another tie. So Kate, you're going to be the, the tiebreaker here. And I'm assuming where you're going. <laughs> Fly monkeys, fly. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I will say is I love, there are some great Wicked Witch memes out there, which again, like when's the last time you saw a Count Orlock meme? Um, So if you want to talk about like cultural relevance, there's the one where like they're going through the woods and she's like bewitches the trees to attack them. And she's like huddled behind a tree and it says, can't even take a shit in peace. <laughs> Great. Plus, she has wonderful penmanship on her broom. She Surrender, does. Dorothy. She like, <laughs> she's a great communicator. So, we will be advancing the witch to round two. Next up, it's another 50 50 split between four seed gremlins and five seed Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I will explain why Leatherface should cut through the competition while Matt will throw water on gremlins in the hopes of reproducing their chances. Matt, why don't you go first? <laughs> Eric, I love your intros for these. They're just they're so good. Like Thanks, Drugs. <laughs> um Gremlins for me are you could this comes back to that discussion about like what is a creature, what is a monster sort of a thing. Gremlins for me though are kind of like pure chaos combined, like but then also reproducing chaos. Um First of all, the creature design themselves is fantastic for them. Um, I think that they managed to find that balance, even when they're in their gremlin state of they're kind of cute, but then they're also gnarly and they have like, you know, all the fangs and teeth and everything. Um, I am, uh, as you've gathered by now, a huge sucker for puppets. So like I'm, I'm all here for the, for the puppetry of them. Um, And I just, I think that this the cinematic version of Gremlins is a great example of taking the concept of something, finding new interesting ways to make it cinematic. But also, I think that on their own, when there's one of them, you're like, yeah, I could take it. you know. But the fact that they can reproduce and they keep getting more and more gnarly and they start overrunning things. And at the end, you kind of end up being like, oh, yeah, I could see how this actually could be scary or could be more horrific in like possibly a different situation. Um, and then also in the end, uh, Leatherface for me um, isn't scary. 
Um, because uh, Leatherface is one of Adam's favorite movie monsters, and he's tried to show me Texas Chainsaw multiple times, and every time I fall asleep, I can't <laughs> stay awake through it to save my soul. I feel like I end up in like a, an Attack of the Clone situation where I'm like, it's all just dusty and it gets everywhere, and I just fall asleep. <laughs> I hate sand. I hate sand. It's all just gray. So. Uh, yeah, so that's that's me on Gremlins and Leatherface. Well, I will say this: I'm 100 okay with Gremlins advancing because I think they're more novel and they're a more creative version of a monster. I think Leatherface, um, of the slasher ones, has a brutality to him that I think would put him towards the top of that heap. Um, I, we'll go over to the other ones when we get to them eventually. Um, but the other thing that I think Leatherface has going for him and those movies in general that makes them genuinely scary is there is that cultural element of the grimy Southern. Um, there's a class element there to it too that makes my skin crawl. Like watching those movies, there's something about that family and the and the interaction and the brutality of the whole thing that to me is scarier than some of the other slashing movies. Like I don't find Halloween scary. I think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre can be very scary because to me, Halloween's about suspense and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about fucking gore, but the relentlessness and just the brutality of it all. Um, that's where I'm coming there. I'm com- Like I said, I'm totally okay with Gremlins advancing here. Dan, where are you coming down on this one? Um, I am Team Gremlins. Yeah. It- and Kate, where are you on this one? I am also Team Leatherface. It's the only scary movie I can't watch because, like, it's a like that like nihilistic brutality of where people are meat. Like, I know we're all meat, but it's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> See, now I have to ask, how far in does that happen? <laughs> it's funny because uh, have you tried the remake? Does Adam hate the remake? Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, we've I, I have only tried the original. <laughs> because, like, the remake, I, I, and horror purists will probably disagree with me. That's fine. I actually think the remake is pretty effective. Hmm. And there are, that's, to me, pretty horrifying right from the jump. And there's a scene I, in that movie, and I'm sorry, we're getting off topic here and we're going long, but where he's dragging a victim into the basement and she's clawing onto the wood of the stairs and her fingernails get ripped off because she's going mm. hard. And Ugh. that in the theater was so evocative to me that I was like, yeah. oh God. Like it, um, That's what I consider to be horror at a cinematic level with Mm. Texas Chainsaw. That's what I think of when I think of Texas Chainsaw. With that said, it brings us to another tie and I'm fine changing my vote to Gremlins. (laughs) I honestly am. I like how Eric's like, it's up to Matt this time, so I'm going to just not give him that power. You can. (laughs) But I'm also willing to concede that I really liked your argument on Gremlins and just give you the win. Yeah, I don't think think anyone has done too much like vote hopping. Go go vote. No, there's not been much vote hopping. So I'm going to be the first. I'm going to vote hop to Gremlins. So we're advancing Gremlins. And Matt, you still get the tie break at the next next time. So see? It's a win-win-win for Matt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so speaking of which, we have another split decision between three-seed right, Michael yeah. Myers and six-seed Creature from the Black so Lagoon. So many contested Kate, things in this Exactly. One. It, it mm-hmm. is. Kate will dive deep for the creature while Matt will celebrate Halloween a little bit early with Mr. Myers. Uh, Kate, why don't you go first? The Creature from the Black Lagoon is really special. Um you know, it's considered in sort of the pantheon of original Universal monsters, even though the creature is only in, is not in as many movies as like The Mummy, which that's another one that didn't make the list. Boris Karloff, yep. oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or uh, or Dracula or Frankenstein, even Frankenstein's monster. But the the creature design on the creature from the Black Lagoon is this. Like, people know what the creature from the Black Lagoon looks like. It's one design. It's this incredible, like, uh, headpiece that comes down over the shoulders, and it has flippers and, and you know, bubbly skin. And, and like, and it's another kind of um, beautiful, sad creature. It's just living its life. It's just swimming around. And these, like, I don't know what they are, like, ichthyologists or something come down, and they're like, hey, we want to find something. And he's like, I just want to, like, swim underneath this pretty lady. <laughs> and, like, sure, he kills people, but whatever. Um <laughs> But also, the creature 
itself is really unique in that it is designed by a woman named Millicent Patrick, who was a former animator at Disney, was responsible, did a lot of animation or did some animation, at least on the Night on Bald Mountain sequence. And you can kind of see that sensibility in the creature's design. And for years and years and years, she was was sort of given short shrift by, I forget the guy's name, and I'm going to say his name, the guy who was the makeup artist on the film. He wanted the credit for the creature, but Millicent designed it. Um, which I think makes her, I don't know, I don't know of any other woman who designed one of the classic universal monsters. So mm-hmm. creature's special, creature's gorgeous. Yeah, I hear that completely. And, and honestly, <clears throat> as, as weird as it sounds, the fact that that was designed by a woman at that point in time is one of the things I love so much about that. And it's one of the things that affected my vote. Maybe it shouldn't, but it did. <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm going to tra- turn it over to you. Why Mr. Myers? So mm, Michael Myers for me is... One of kind of like how, Eric, how you were talking about with Leatherface, like Michael Myers for me actually kind of gets down to like a guttural level on being scary to me. Um, I feel like it's a Halloween. The original Halloween is this great mix of like, like realism and like slightly not supernatural, I guess, but like it's the feeling that something, the unknown is always there and watching you. And you can't escape it no matter where you are. It's always going to find you and it's always going to get you. And it's always lurking around a corner, whether you think it is or not. It's so also- Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's that. And it's also why something like um, the House on Haunted Hill series. No. Mm-hmm. So let me. Nope. The, the Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Um, also worked so well for me because once I guess spoiler sort of once I started noticing that there were ghosts hiding throughout all of the house through all the episodes, like it caused physical goosebumps up and down my spine, even when like they weren't supposed to like, they weren't like a plot point. They were just kind of there. And I feel kind of that same way about Michael Myers. I feel like he's just, he always could be there. He could be watching at any moment. That said, Creature from the Black Lagoon is absolutely amazing. And Kate, I I feel like you and I keep being on the opposite (laughs) sides of all of these. But it's also a case of like, listen, Creature's amazing. And so no whatsoever like disagreement there. Yeah. Dan, where are you on this one? So I'm I'm team Michael Myers. I I, I, like Matt and I always teamed up against Eric and Kate. (laughs) (laughs) It's the drinking water, Dan. Um, but yeah, he's got that just, it's like that foreboding. You never know where Michael Myers is going to show up. He has no emotion to him. Um, and he just gives me the skivvies, but mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm, yeah, Michael Myers, but again, creature from the black Lagoon is also amazing. Like it's an amazing. And that I did not know, um, the backstory of, of, of the design of creature. That's good. We have. Well, there's uh, the book is somewhere around our apartment. Yeah, I think. The, yeah, it's fairly lady, recent. Lady it was like in last year. Room. Yes, it's a great book. Uh, it's really fun. Yeah. Oh, there it is. It's on the shelf across from me. <laughs> there you go. So I'm sticking with the creature with Kate, but that again leaves us deadlocked. And Matt, you have the power to break the tie now. <sighs> this one, this out of all, like, of course, this is the one that comes down to because of out of all of them, this is probably my most like in my heart contested one. So I'm gonna stick with Michael Myers. That's okay. fine. Michael right. Myers is it's the shape versus the creature. Like yeah. I also like Michael Myers. Oh yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. So three quarters of us wanted to feed Audrey two from Little Shop of Horrors a two seed, while I have cushion for the pushin with seven seed <laughs> pinhead from Hellraiser. But Dan, why don't you talk to me about Audrey first? So Audrey two. Um, I mean, first and foremost, has I would say for every scary character in movies, horror movies, whatever it might be, has the best nickname as Tui. Like how adorable is that for a murderous plant? Like, I love that. It's it's the antithesis of what the plant actually is. Um, It makes me very happy. But when you have, you know, this unassuming fly trap looking plant that is actually an alien from outer space, we're in for a pretty good creature here has to eat people to stay alive so that's a it's a pretty hard yikes right off the bat but then on top of that once you know audrey 2 becomes um 
you know, able to speak and um, can communicate, you realize it's not just like this plant that needs human blood and flesh to stay alive. It's also conniving and plotting against humans, that it is an invasive species that is here to take over and get what he wants in the end. And then he can also grow his own minions to continue taking over the world, which is also like that this the there's such a opposition between the the film and the stage version where in the film it's, it's got a pretty happy ending. Thanks, Frank Oz. And then but the, the the stage version, it's not a happy ending. Like the plants literally take over the world um, and it's pretty dark um, and grim. So there's one of those where it's, it's this creature that is not native that just spreads and spreads and takes over. And you know, I mean, yes, the end of the movie does have that wink to, well, maybe it's not over, but uh, yeah, it's just a creepy plant. You can't escape. Like it literally will just pick you up and eat you. Yeah. Well, I got to say, living in the world we are right now, I'm Team Audrey, too. So, like, whenever you're ready, come on down. Like, let's make this happen. Um, but no shade to Audrey. I th- I'm so glad she's here. I think it's a, it's a really fun character, and it's, it's a great monster. It's a great movie monster. But I think that we would be remiss not to move forward Pinhead because Pinhead is seriously scary. Like, Clive Barker is an intensely creative human being, mm-hmm. and I think – Pinhead and all the Cenobites are just spectacularly horrifying. And like, this was Guillermo del Toro before Guillermo del Toro was a thing. Right. Um, I I think that that whole franchise Hellraiser as a franchise really needs to be rebooted. I think that with the right director with it, it could do gangbusters in a modern horror market. Um, I just think there's Pinhead, just even the visual of him is so compelling that if, it was that all you had, it would still be great, but he's so much more than that. And so for that reason, I I'm team pinhead, but I understand I'm alone here. So Kate, Matt, are you guys sticking with Audrey? I do have to stick with Audrey. I mean, Jesus wept, but, but I just, there's no other creature from a puppetry standpoint, from a character standpoint, quite like, Audrey. And also the fact Audrey is like a two time. I mean, you have the Roger Corman little shop of horrors and you have mm-hmm. the Frank Oz shop of horrors. Right. And I think that they're both spectacular. Team all right, Audrey yeah. all the way. Team Audrey. All right. Totally. So we are advancing Audrey to the next round. And finally for round one, three quarters of us were sweet on four seed Candyman while Matt stomped for five seed Godzilla. Matt, why are you captivated by the Kaiju? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Godzilla again comes down to being one of those like not just like an original movie monster but also again just so iconic to the fact that we're like people now when we have a large creature like they don't even like call it a kaiju they're like oh that's Godzilla or that's oh it's like Godzilla I just feel like it has implanted so hard in our cultural lexicon um that I think that Godzilla is like one of those pinnacles of movie monsterdom like whether godzilla comes down and is actually here to be our savior or whether just really wants to destroy buildings regardless (laughs) still a good monster whether monster for good or monster for evil i just i feel like godzilla kind of personifies monsterdom um and whether yeah because again i feel like that comes down to again like frankenstein's monster you know misunderstood like all those pieces i don't know i just godzilla for me i feel like is like quintessential monster that makes perfect sense to me i I will say this so Candyman, in addition to the other things going on there's a a very powerful racial component to this it's not even subtext it's just flat out text Mm -hmm. and um i'm very excited the remake is coming out soon yeah did that get postponed yeah oh my god i can't wait i think Uh, i think they said indefinitely at this point because they kept moving it and now i think it's just at some point 2021 but like now more than ever, this is the moment for that character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the original when I was in high school and it terrified me. Like yeah. I found terrifying. It's a terrifying <laughs> yeah. movie. And the actor who plays him was so good. Tony he, Todd. Is he playing it in the Tony yeah. Todd? There's like, is he in the remake? There's as like, well? a, like a scene in the trailer where you see a reflection in a car that that's Tony Todd. But I, I don't yeah. know what they're doing. I, yeah. I believe my understanding, like if and I might be misquoting, but my I believe they have not 
quote unquote officially said it, but they've also been like, hey, 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 it's, it's Tony Todd. So. Yeah. I mean, who, who else? Who else could who possibly else? play that role? I'm yeah. sorry. Correct. It's just so yeah. So good in it. Perfect it's casting. Just, it is chilling. And so for that reason, I put him in front of Godzilla. But I think Matt makes a really excellent point, which is that Godzilla is like the monster of monsters. He's, he's king literally of all the king of mm-hmm. all monsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I have a hard time. Like I could be easily swayed to voting for Godzilla here. Mm-hmm. I easily could. Um, Dan, where are you? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I was Candyman, but I totally get the argument for Godzilla. Um yeah, this is a tough one. Ooh, I gotta go, Candyman. Kate, I'm team. I'm team Candyman. Okay, so um, it looks like we. I, I literally would have swung if one other person would have swung to Godzilla, Matt. <laughs> just so you know, I would have. But I'm not gonna bring us to yet another tie. I refuse to do that. Uh, so we will. <laughs> I'm just swinging everywhere. Um, so we will advance Candyman to round two, and that is it for round one. We've gone from our final 32 to our scary 16. Did our panelists make the right cuts, or do you think we've gone psycho? Tell us your thoughts by commenting on this episode at GreatPopCultureDebate.com or sound off on social media. Make sure you come back for one final scare when part two drops later this week. When Beetlejuice, Xenomorph, and Dr. Lecter join the competition as we name the best movie monster. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.